Stupid. Let's see if this thing works, huh? All right, it's working. All right. How? What's the memory up to? Twenty-six. Okay. Same. Okay. Same-sies. Maybe. Yeah. All right. You know. So who knows what happened? Okay. Computer's Technology. Technology. Here we go. Okay, let's do it. Yep. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. A podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 53 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we're going to talk about the general current trends in filmmaking. That's right. But first, what are we drinking, Alex? What are you drinking? What are you drinking? Well, I'm having a whiskey that has been watered down substantially again because this (laughs) process of shooting this has taken three hours. But it's a Pikesville straight rye. Okay. I've I've had that before at your place before this whole COVID thing. It's it's very good. That's right. It is good. I am... I'm sitting with another. I think last week I had the uh, the chocolate stout. Today I'm back to the old stalwart of uh, Miller Lite in my uh, Hive Lighting Hive Lighting Koozie. Nice. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Hive. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for that, Hive. Yeah. Um, so what's new, Alex? Um, not much. Not much. Not much. Because we, we, we do are have, in quarantine. We are. We do have a log line generator that's out that I just yes uh, sent an email out about, and people have been mm-hmm. signing up for it. Um, it's free, totally free. Ooh, just enter in your, price. I know mine too. Just enter in your, your info for your story. And it spits out some log lines for you to sort of like use as a jumping off point, edit to your heart's content. And, uh, you can yeah. go to filmmakingcentral.com slash log dash generator. For those, uh, screenwriters out there or, uh, you know, hopeful screenwriters log lines can be a pain in the ass and there's a lot of different uh there's a lot of different suggestions on how you should make a log line for your script if you're trying to sell it um and this just kind of helps you out um you could go crazy looking at all the different uh log lines that people say you should use the in the world in a world where uh, you know it's, it's crazy so just uh put your information in this thing spit out how many do we have i forget maybe seven seven Something um like and that? uh you gotta futz with them a little bit um you know it's not artificial intelligence the language might be yeah. a little off but you'll get the idea um but use it uh sell your scripts yeah it should be good all sometimes especially in this day and age it's an email with a log line to gain someone's interest uh to then read your script and hopefully buy it or option it for no money and then buy it later if they want to make it so exactly check it out pretty cool uh so since we don't really have anything new we're gonna do yeah. a fun game that Alex came up with. Uh, what right. is what is what is the name of the game, Alex? Uh, let's find out something new. That's the name of the game. Um, <laughs> wow! Wow! So original! So original! It's very uh, straightforward. Basically, I'm going to pick a random question out of okay. um, a deck of questions. Basically, all right. Conversation starters, as it were, yeah. just to okay. so we can learn a little bit about who Trevor is. <laughs> And who Alex is? No, no, it's my game. Uh, I don't answer. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I was gonna say, do do we answer for each other like the newlywed game? Because <laughs> I basically know how you're gonna answer every question. But let's go ahead. Let's try this. No, let's try. No, this. Okay, here we go. Okay, it's a random right. question. Random have, question. We have, we have, have not, not been this fed this before. before. Nope. Okay, here it is. Go ahead. Hit me. What's the worst job you've ever had? Man. Uh, son, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, son, yeah, promoted to father. Suck. It's not much better. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, you know, I've been pretty fortunate not to have some really bad jobs. Um, like out of oh, man, oh man. Okay, did you, so did you ever have like high school jobs or anything like that? Yeah, but those weren't too bad. I'm trying to think of like. Because, you know, like I'm trying to think of like, you know, Larry, we were there for seven years and I was at USC for five. And it's like, yeah, um, I've heard about some house painting jobs. Oh, man. House painting was tough. But I also think about gigs, like gigs oh, that gigs, we had. Yeah. Um, 
those are jobs. And I, I, I'm wondering, okay, so gig wise, um, there's been some horrible ones. Um, I remember while I was working at USC, I did a video shoot down at, uh, uh, UC, uh, Cal State Fullerton. And yes. it was in an open room and multi-cam setup. And so the director couldn't talk because it was all live audio. So he just poked people with a stick, whatever camera you were with the stick to tell you to, to look at him. And then he'd give you direction on it. That was pretty bad um, and boring and all that. Um, That's pretty good. Uh, That's yeah, pretty good. Um, house painting uh, was okay. It, it's, it's tough to say because overall it was fine. It was a summer job and all that. But there was a, you know, there were some, there were some clients that were bad. Uh, one, I went up to the top of the roof and was painting and just whacked my head into a hornet's nest and just got attacked by bees. So that's, that's bad. That seems pretty um, bad. I don't yeah. know what's How about worse. you, Alex? Um, I also haven't had, okay, so that's not true. I had one pretty bad job, I would say. <laughs> um, so, so you were so optimistic there and then that quickly went south. I know. Like during high school and all that, you know, I did kind of fun jobs. My dad worked for the police station or the police department in Las Vegas. So, and he was also, um, he would work at this thing called the International Police and Fire Games, where um, the fire departments and police departments from around the U.S. would come to Las Vegas and they would participate in sports, sporting events, and then, you know, it was for fun, you know? Nice. Um, nice. And I helped him with that. That was kind of like my usual summer job. And that was fun. I liked that one. It wasn't until right after college, I would say I had a pretty bad job. Um, and that was, I've talked about this before, with a, a, an indie theatrical distribution company. And the reason it was bad is because they didn't pay. It was all commission-based. <laughs> start, off, start off the bat right there. They didn't pay. They didn't pay. It was all commission-based. Um, and it was like an indie uh, service deal company where... Basically, filmmakers would pay for a theatrical release themselves. I mean, this is like a real business model. That's not like yep. the questionable part. There's companies that still do this to this day, like freestyle releasing or whatever. Like if you want to put your movie into theaters, there's ways to do it if you shell out mm -hmm. the cash, right? And so that's what this yep. company was trying to be. And they hired me and one other guy to uh, basically go around and like pitch films and filmmakers on this concept to see if they would be interested. And it actually like... You know, it was a fine job. Like, it was great. Like, networking, worked with a lot of people, met a lot of people, and, you know. Still talk to some of those people today. Still talk to some of those people today. And was able to actually do it, you know. I would have made money with this company if it weren't for the um, the owner being an absolute <sighs> maniac Lunatic? out of his mind. Yeah. Just yeah. Re yelling randomly, like, sabotaging things and, like, Man, that's that was the worst, probably. Um, how much I'm not going to say what movie you were working on because it did come out and I liked it. Um, but how much did you gain to make on a movie that was a pretty big release? Yeah. And the owner sabotaged it. Your boss sabotaged it. How much were you going to make? <sighs> well, OK, so let's see. There was one that was going to do a release for I was going to make. 300,000 on one. Oof. And so then the other one was probably four times that. So potentially 1.2. Yeah, something like that. Oof. That was your commission. And 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 That would have been my commission. Railroad you. He I railroaded know. you. I know, but he did it to himself too. The best part was he would always <laughs> try to incentivize us to like keep working for him. Cause we, you know, after a while we were like, what are you doing? Like we're bringing you these filmmakers. Like they want to make the deals, like sign They're They're in the room signing the contract. And you're just like, uh, trying to add things in, like, like doing this weird stuff, like arguing with them about things that we've already talked about. And I don't know, it was bizarre, but he would then be like, you know, to try to boost our morale and keep us on board. He'd be like, so, you know, I'm thinking like as a bonus, um, we'll maybe give you like a $10,000 watch if you bring in like a project or whatever. And then he'd be like, do you guys want the watch or the money? And we would always be like, uh, the money. Cause like we haven't made a thing 
yet. <laughs> so money would be and good. Also because that watch is probably stolen. Exactly. Uh, or he didn't have it. Or he didn't have it. Or it was his own watch yeah. that he. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when you call, I said the money, he would, you call this bluff and he's like, damn it. Yeah, he would just sit the there watch. and be like, <laughs> good to know. Well, if we yes. ever make a deal, I'll get money you that watch is. somehow. Money it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that was a fun game. Look at that. Well, you guys might be hit with more of that. Uh, we've had a couple complaints about people saying we go off topic well if, if yeah they didn't complain before they're gonna hell hella complain now but I know. while we're in quarantine and we are kind of stuck on some things not a whole lot new things, going on yeah a lot of big projects we're working on that are like taking a longer time uh, yes so we don't want to give any updates on them yet until they're ready but and then also uh, yeah, get ready i would like to point out i was talking to my wife about this the other day our show is formatted i would say from our experience with larry king and working on his shows we formatted it in such a way where it is kind of more like a talk show, right? Like yeah. we have an intro. That's the same every time we have segments like what's new. Yeah. We used to have the what's cool segment. Like mm -hmm. it's kind of broken up in that way, like a talk show. Yeah. Um, so if just get on board. Just get on board. Okay, everyone. Jeez. Okay, <laughs> if fun you only knew. Get off like my back. Did. Yeah. Whoa. Alex threw something down in his office. I don't know. He's angry. Yeah, I am. If you've never seen Alex angry, this is Alex angry. <laughs> All right. So to the topic at hand, uh, let's talk about current trends in filmmaking that we've noticed, uh, good, bad, yes. or indifferent. Um, you know, this is in terms of how our listeners can use this, I guess, or like, it's hard to say because you may want to stay away from these because everyone's doing it. it's kind of like Alex had an idea for a pandemic movie that we were going to start writing. And all of a sudden we saw that everyone's writing pandemic movies and people are saying, don't write pandemic movies anymore. So we stayed away from them. So maybe yeah. these are things you can stay away with away from to make your film unique or some things you want to incorporate because these are the kind of movies that are getting made now and you yeah. hope to sell your movie. So who knows? Totally. Who knows? Uh, up, uh, listener discretion advised. Uh, it's up to your discretion yeah. if you want to use them or not. Exactly. We're just um, giving our own opinions and thoughts yeah. and ob observations. We're not mm -hmm. necessarily giving you, you know, advice on what to do per se on this yeah. episode. Um, so do we ever really give them advice that they should take? No. no. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. We're just a bunch um, of babbling idiots. Yeah. Okay. So the first one, Trevor, in my opinion, yes. trends. That's been happening. I mean, it's been happening for a while. Mm -hmm. That is Instagram as the new resume slash reel for filmmakers. Have you noticed yeah. this? I have. I have. Uh, and I think, I mean, it's like, they're like, oh, well, there's influencers. So I'm going to put all my stuff on Instagram because so many people go on Instagram. Um, and they're now, do you think in this trend people are doing it in hopes of being discovered or they're doing it as in like, I don't want to build a website. So if somebody wants to see what I've done, I'm going to send them my IG link. I think it's the latter. Um, and okay. it, it's, it's like people, instead of creating a reel, will hmm. just curate their like still images of their, their shoots onto Instagram so that people, they can send out the link and people can like take, I, I guess this is primarily the cinematographers that I'm thinking of. I don't yeah. actually know yeah. for sure if other filmmakers do this, but, um, but definitely cinematographers, DPs, they, they will put screen grabs of like their favorite shots from the projects that they shoot up on Instagram. And then yeah. I've even noticed on job posts or whatever, it'll be like, you know, include, um, relevant, you know, projects that you've worked on and your Instagram. And I'm like, <sighs> I've been, it. I've been I, avoiding this one. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I, I yeah. do have Instagram accounts, but like, I'm not, too. I'm just not interested in like curating screen grabs of my projects onto an Instagram account at this well, point. And, in time. and the way, yeah. And the way I look at it is a couple things. One, the industry is unfortunately still a bunch of old, uh, white dudes. Um, and so a lot of them, like, if they don't ask for it and you supply it, they're probably going to be like, oh, really? Like, this is 
this is this is what you're giving me. I don't know um, about that. Only because from my experience working with companies that are run by old white guys, a lot of those old white guys still try to act like they're 26. True, true. Um, I guess my other problem with that is that, and this may not, this may be warranted or unwarranted. Um, I look at Instagram and Facebook and all those social media things as completely fake. Like, you know, people put up their best, um, their best life. You know, it's like, Oh, look at me. I'm, you know, at a mansion at my mansion. It's like, they didn't, that's not their mansion. They just walked by someplace, you know, something like that, whatever. Um, yeah. you guys know what I'm talking about, but like, I feel like people could just take their project, throw an Instagram filter on it without giving you much thought and be like, look how professional it looks. And it's not, a, and then it's like, okay, cool. You did that on Instagram. Let's get you in front of a computer or get you on set with a bunch of LUTs. Do you know what you're doing? Um, I don't, I think it's too easy to kind of fake your way through um, your style and the look of your projects on Instagram because of all the built-in filters, everything else could change. Uh, not to say that it, if they do that on Instagram, they have no idea what they're doing uh, on a film, but there's also that veil of fakery, fraudulent, fraudulent well, looks. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's um, always fakery though with, um, yeah. I mean, I know that there's been people who's had, who've had their, uh, stuff jacked on someone else's reel and you're like, what, what is going on? Um, yeah. but I also have to say that I personally hate reels. Like I just, yeah. I don't know. I just don't like them. I think yeah. I think it's a lot of work for for the filmmaker when it's like, mm -hmm. why isn't the person hiring doing the work? Like, why why can't I send the person hiring like a bunch of links to like relevant projects and have them sort of like watch them at however they feel like they need to in order to to get the job done of hiring? Like, why do I have to sit there and edit together like a one and a half minute thing to like cater to your short attention span? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, here's my question. Um, do you think a reel and IG would help filter out the first round of people? Almost like they say something has to happen in the first 10 pages of a script so that you grab a reader's attention so they continue to read. So the first 10 pages, not good, throw it away, go on to the next script, quick, 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 quick. And now we found one that is good at the beginning. Now we'll look through the rest. IG and a reel are kind of like, all right, I like what I see. I like what I see. Now I want to look at full examples. So it's kind of a way to filter because everyone trying talks that they have no time in this industry and it's you know so fast paced. I don't yeah. really believe that if you really want to find a good DP or you really want to find a good editor, you'll take the time and go through all their stuff, but it, it may be IG and, um, a reel are just the first key, uh, the, the key to the first door to get yeah, through and then they'll look at your other stuff. It could be, I feel like you could accomplish. Okay. Maybe I'm like way overthinking this, but for example, if I have a full project up on mm -hmm. YouTube, right? Yeah. Um, let's say it's a 90 minute feature or whatever. Mm -hmm. I could easily, just like make the link for the YouTube to the specific part that I want them to watch, you know, that, that's highlighting whatever it is that I'm trying to show them. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it seems like to me on, on my end, if I, there's like a requirement almost to make reels catering to specific styles. Right. So like yeah. if I'm, applying for a comedy. I'm not going to send them like a, a reel full of angsty, like horror dark stuff. Right. Yeah. So that means do, I, you could be making reels for. Ever. Yeah. That means I have to for make like 27 things. reels for specific things. Yeah. I have to make like a talk show reel. I have to make like a, a yeah. YouTube reel. I have to make like a horror reel, a comedy reel, like, like all these different things versus just like curating things that I want them to see that they could just easily click on and like go to. And be like, oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, let me watch the next one. I'm going to watch tw like 20 seconds of this one. Yeah. You know, it's like they could just do it themselves, yeah. like just click on the links. And then mm -hmm. it's easy for everyone. I agree. I think I think reels for filmmakers. Now, di different story for actors, but I think reels for filmmakers, a little outdated, a little not needed. Because at the time, I think it was a way to get, because there wasn't the internet, you know, when this whole thing started. So it was a way for people to get, uh, you know, you'd send them a reel on VHS or you send them a reel on, uh, you know, 
yeah. film, a film reel, or you'd send them a reel on DVD because there wasn't easy access. Everything wasn't online. And I think nowadays in age, you don't need that. You could just point them to the right direction and you don't need IG. You don't yeah. need Instagram. Like Instagram just seems so fake to me. And I, I if somebody sent me an Instagram, I'd be like, Ugh, just send me some stuff you've done. Like, I don't. Totally. I also I feel like it's a, um, there, there's, there's opportunity for like weird judgment. That's irrelevant. Right. So like if mm -hmm. I have an, an Instagram account that is specifically for cinematography that I've just created for that. And I put like zero effort into trying to like build up this Instagram account. Like why? Yeah. And I send it to them and it's like, Oh, it's got 47 followers that are all like my friend. Like, are they going to judge me based on that for no reason? Yeah. They probably will. Even if they don't think they are, they probably in the back of their mind will be like, well, this person's not popular enough. Their work must not be good enough that people don't want to follow them. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally get it. Like, and that's why I think Instagram is even, if you notice on Instagram now, it'll say like somebody that you follow like this photo and others, they don't even put the number there anymore. Cause they're yeah. like, Oh man, this really, this really fucks with people's uh, emotions, reputation. Yeah. yeah. Emotions and reputation <laughs> and others. Uh, so I like I'm that. Not a, I should yeah. put that in my, uh, in my, in my emails to people like liked by one person and others. Yeah. Liked by my mom and others. That's like this the podcast. No budget film making podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> liked by, yeah, we should just, we should send this podcast out to subscribe to uh, potential sponsors and be like, listen to by our mothers and mm -hmm. others and others. It rhymes too. So how many, I mean, yeah. Who knows how many? Your your move, sponsors. Your um, move. Okay. Uh, so on to the next one. Um, yes. In uh, this is uh, so when DSLRs came out, like the Canon uh, 5D Mark II, that gave, you know ushered in the era of handheld 1080 HD video. They all started getting a look um, so much so that Alex even shot some stuff for Larry's uh, an episode for Larry on a 5D. Yeah, uh, I did. At at the Pantages, um, blew their minds for like, it blew their minds, blew their minds. The colors, the Canon color, you know, it was, it was mind. also the, um, the fact that I had purchased, we had, we had like really fast lenses for that thing and it, they have like huge sensors. Right. And the fast lens, I think they were 1.4s or something. Yeah. And I shot yeah. wide open, got that super shallow depth of field, which was yep. at the time, like the film look, right. Yeah. And, and man, they just, they ate it up. They ate it up. Yeah. So now switch a couple of years later and everyone uses DSLRs kind of to do their indie films. And so now what you're starting to see is people are shooting on log and not coloring it in post, just leaving it in, in desaturated log and just yeah. putting it out. Or there. they just barely color. Um, it's just like so desaturated and flat still because they feel yeah. like that looks kind of filmic, like desaturated filmic. equals filmic. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just like indie films. It's also like, um, as I'm looking uh, on my list of films and all that. Um, uh, but like, you know, that's why the lighting's changing on my face if you're watching this. Um, it, but it's it's like, that's like the new style of like what people uh, seem to be like gravitating towards. It's like almost no color correction. It's like, we'll take what it is. Um, and, and, you know, and that'll actually lead to our next, uh, one. I'm gonna jump the list, Alex. But okay, it's just this jump look of list. like, it's this look of like, another trend is these gritty, realistic reboots. And in the uh, yes, in the eyes of the like filmmakers, if it's gritty, it's got to be almost like noir, like almost so close to black and white, but not black and white. Um, yeah, like just like the Batman trailer. It's all like grungy. And while I like the Batman trailer, it's grungy. It's like desaturated. It's like angsty yeah. emo and that's what a lot of these reboots are trying to do is like okay well we're gonna do a realistic reboot of this and then because of that we're gonna not color it make it real grungy and, and stuff like that so it's like the one movie that comes to yeah. my mind as a movie that had that sort of like ultra loggy look was yeah. the witch oh yeah you remember like mm -hmm. it, it, to me that movie i mean it was a choice for then but it's, I feel like a lot of times that I've seen it on other indie projects. And so it's not really a choice. It's, it's like, I don't know. They don't want it to take a the poor choice. Color. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see it in the, in the, the witch, uh, because of like, you know, the era it was set in, they wanted to make it look older. 
you know, you always think of like old photographs of being like uh, sepia tone and stuff like that sure. and not having color and all that. And so I, I totally get it. But for like other ones, it almost seems like they just don't want to color or they don't want to pay for a colorist or they don't know how to color out on their own. So they're like, skip it. I'm going to be gritty. I'm going to be, uh, you know, grungy. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm not a fan. I love vivid colors. Uh, I, I like colors that pop. Um, now, granted, that all depends on what you're shooting. Um, you know, yeah. horror, a little darker, a little less color. But for the most part, I like those towering shots of the sunset with all the vivid colors and stuff like that. Totally. I mean, I'm personally on board with whatever. Like, if you want to do, like, a creative choice and it's got some kind yeah. of purpose behind it or, like, you have an idea that it stems from then great go for it but i think a lot of times you know what i'm thinking of in particular are maybe like youtube videos or ads mm -hmm. that pop up on facebook or even i've seen like national commercials where mm -hmm. it just has this weird sort of like desaturated look and i it doesn't seem to fit with like what's going on like why do they do that um and that to me if you're noticing it in in a bad way then that's not great yeah i'm i'm all for motivated uh decisions like yeah. there's motivation behind it like the witch and like you know all these other things and um i mean like that commercial you did for film shake um that's kind of desaturated a little bit because it's supposed to be this like home footage kind of thing where it's untouched and that's the idea behind it it's untouched it's like a handy cam people shooting it on their own to show how real they are kind of thing. And that, that works. But like yeah. for other things, if it's, there's no motivation behind it, it's just, it just comes off as laziness. Um, and kind of, uh, uh, cheapness almost because they don't want to put in the time and effort or money to hire someone, uh, to, um, to color it. And so if that's the case, if you don't have the money to do it, you got to figure something else out. So it doesn't just look like you're kind of like, uh, coasting your way through it and not really caring because it comes off as like that sometimes. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, so the next one is having to do with gimbals. Yeah. Gimbal shots. Um, gimbals are one of those things that, again, it's like it's a, a technology that came out that everyone sort of like thought was super cool and uh, allowed them to do things that previously required professionals like steady cam operators and things yep. like that. Um, now they can do similar type things with this semi affordable, like available technology. And it's one of those things where I think it's super overused. Like most of the time yeah. you don't need a gimbal shot, right? It's kind of, it's, it's a tool in the toolbox that is used to, um, I don't know, create a vibe or a look or to accent whatever, you know, thing you're doing or like for a specific reason, you might use a gimbal. Um, but I think in most scenarios, you don't need a gimbal, right? And yeah. it's one of those things where I think filmmakers will see all this stuff in the media, especially like a couple of years ago about oneers. you know, you had like mm -hmm. Birdman, you had yep. um, True Detective season one had like a pretty awesome oneer in it. Um, yep. nowadays you have, uh, I think there was an awesome one in, uh, the Revenant, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I remember everyone was so crazy about the one in, uh, children of men, children of men, the, the, the camera got dirty and yeah, blood. Exactly. Yep. And, 1917, and 1917, which just came out recently. But I think for the most part, like no one cares about oneers except for filmmakers. So it's like, they're doing it for themselves. Uh, and it, some, oftentimes um, doesn't aid the movie or the project or whatever in any real yeah. way other than like them being like, look what I did. Yeah. And yeah. that bothers me. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, what's kind of funny is that for at least a couple of these, plus the one we're going to talk about next, it's almost like as things become more affordable to the everyday filmmaker, they become so overused. First, exactly. it was DSL, the DSLR, DSLR look because everyone could get their hands on a DSLR and shoot HD. Mm -hmm. Then people were able to afford cameras that shot log in the yep. DSLR format. Or, so or not. That. Yeah, in the camcorder yeah. format or whatever. Yep. And then all of a sudden, everyone got DSLRs, so it was that 
jerky hand movement where you know the camera's moving oh. and it's uh, and and then it then all of a sudden these gimbals come out that are affordable to uh, everyday filmmakers and guess what now everyone's using gimbals on everything and everything's so smooth um i know and i, I agree i think like it has to be motivated like i get 1917 making it look like it was a oneer because it was supposed to all it was all just continuous and it was just supposed to take place in one yeah two hour you're following two hour you're following well, those guys no spoiler alert but an hour and 15 minutes and then he blacks out and then yeah. Uh, comes to a couple hours later. Um, and so I, once again, like we said, motivated, like there's a reason behind it. And that's because of, uh, you know, the way the story was, but on other things, it's just kind of like a, a, a technical circle jerk of like, look what I could do. Um, exactly. It's, it's uh, my favorite thing is like, you see the, like almost the behind the scenes footage of these things get more, more attention than the actual project. But it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, people like hanging the gimbal from a rope and dropping it down a stairwell. And then a guy picks it up and like flies through a window with it. And then like another person grabs it and then skates on yep. like rollerblades. And you're like, OK, yep. but the shot itself, like, who cares? Like, I mean, did it well, add anything like for all that? Like, I guess the point being like they did it so that they could get attention onto the movie because of the behind the scenes. Like, that's what yeah. it was all about, I guess. Well, it's funny because both our wives are not filmmakers. And I remember in True Detective, she, I like, after that wonder, I was like, oh, that was so awesome. That wonder. And my wife's like, how, what, what, what was it? And I explained it to her. And then we rewatched it. She's like, oh, that's super cool. But I had to explain it to her and tell her yeah. to keep her eye out for it because to the normal viewer, um, it just, it wasn't, um, you know, anything. It was just yeah. um, kind of boring. Uh, for sure. Not boring, but it just didn't add anything. It didn't add anything. Like they, they yeah. wouldn't know. And I think, um, honestly, what I went to see, I really wanted to see 1917 in theaters. Mm -hmm. uh, totally worth it. Great movie. Yeah. My wife saw it with me. And it, had I not explained it to her ahead of time, I don't think she would have known or realized that it was all one supposed take. You know? Yeah. I, I think my wife like, was. It's just storytelling. Like people don't really care. Like how many times are you counting cuts in a, in a movie? Exactly. Let me, you, let me, you know what? I got, I got a moment right here. My wife has just walked in with our kid. Hey babe, before we saw 1917, did I explain to you that, uh, that it was all supposed to look like it was one continuous shot and did it, our kid just threw up all over my wife as I'm talking to her. Um, did it add anything for you? Okay, but it wasn't like it was a better movie because it looked like one shot. No. Okay, yeah. So she said she looked for it because I told her, but it wasn't like something that she thought the movie was better because of it. Yeah, <laughs> um, again. Wow, and, and from the sounds of it, even though my son uh, was uh, a few months old, he did not like 1917 because I mentioned <laughs> it and he threw up everywhere. Um, just so, immediately projectile. Just every, like the look on my wife's face was like, Oh, I'm being brought into the podcast. Oh, and I just got thrown up on. Uh, so, yes, the, the joy, the joys of parenthood. Um, uh, so yeah, yes. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I shockingly, I haven't seen Birdman yet. But was there motivation behind the one, the single shot? I mean, other than mm, it was just talked about. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I guess like he would probably have some argument for it. Um, okay. I think you could have done that movie without it and it would have still been a yeah. good movie. Um, I'm trying to think of why, um, Hitchcock tried to do the one shot for rope. Um, yeah. and I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was just to add tension. Like there was no cut. So you just, you, it raised the tension, um, and stuff like that. It's great. But with these gimbal shots where it's just trying to one up everybody with what I could do with a gimbal. And just like you said, hand it off to the next guy. And then he goes walking and then hand it off to the next guy and he goes walking and you never see it move. It's like, it's cool, but is it really needed? Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I do think, um, dolly shots, you know, are great, you know, a tool again, yeah. another tool. And yeah, you'll notice that in, in a lot of like, uh, uh, sort of amateur, projects dolly shots are not used that much you know no uh, and yeah. it's because it's a pain in the butt to set up right like it requires yeah. a uh 
setting up track, leveling it. Mm-hmm. You have you yeah. have to have like a dolly grip, push you, um, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. You have to plan out the route. Like it requires a lot of heavy gear and setup, and so it's not used that yeah. often. And so, to me, that's like again one of the I don't know. It's like dollying is a great tool. It's not used because it's inconvenient. Um, and using a gimbal has become like just easy. I'm just going to grab my, you know, thing and balance it real quick and then start shooting it. So like I can get that kind of dolly vibe and just, and like, you know, it's, yeah. So it seems, it comes across as like lazy to me in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. Two things is that one, like you can kind of tell when it's a gimbal versus a dolly and oh, sure. it's almost like, like, um, in terms of like shooting on film and shooting digital, you could still tell it's the graininess and it's the, it's like a dolly shot, no matter how smooth you get it, there's still a little bit of jerkiness, a little bit of not completely smooth that I think adds to it. Um, it makes it organic. Um, and so I think that that's why, like what you'll notice. And I, I, a lot of people should look for is that in big features, they use dolly shots a lot and it's just a simple push in. It's not, it's not like the big movements like you see with gimbals. It's just a simple push in or simple pull out. Um, and they use it a lot. And, and one of the reasons they use it is because they could just set it up because they have the crew. They could just set it up on a dolly. And even if they're locking it off, it's just, it's like a movable tripod. Um, and what you'll notice is that it's just a simple slight push in slight pull out. And, and that's great. But when people get a, gimbal that they maybe have not been able to use before because they couldn't afford it they just go crazy they just yeah like huge shot, movements gimbal shot because that's yeah, really like you can't movement. you can't do the the small stuff very easily i mean you have no it, it's way harder to get like just a really sort of like subtle push in with a gimbal um and so you end up doing these big movements and yeah and you know and what's funny is that on, on feature films, if you watch a lot of the behind the scenes, a lot of the stuff is still done on Dolly. Um, and it's almost like a gimbal and a Steadicam is only when it's necessary. Like they can't get a Dolly in there or something like that. Like I just saw a little clip of like behind the scenes of uh, Assassin's Creed. And a lot of the running was on Dolly, not on a uh, gimbal, uh, yeah. not on a Steadicam. And it's, it, it's, it's because the Dolly is better. Um, you can hold a lot more gear on it and all that. Um, yeah. So and it's yeah, a specific, you know, specific tools for specific things. Mm-hmm. I just think yep. that, you know, that particular tool has, it's a trend. It's been overused yep. lately and I'm sure it'll go then, away uh, as soon as like oh, yeah. the newest cool thing comes out and there'll be something else. Yeah. Yep. Um, which leads us to our, uh, another one of the once technology becomes more affordable to everyone it becomes widely used and overused and that's light tubes now i say everyone but uh deacons our man our man the myth the legend deacons used it so much in 2049 i know later on in 2049 um and for those people who don't know what light tubes are they're like uh rgb led uh fluorescent lights so complete control complete color spectrum um led tubes I mean, pretty, yeah. pretty and the benefit of them is that a lot of times these days they're battery powered, so you don't have to run cables. You can integrate them into like practical scenarios as as a, a fixture that's actually seen on camera, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have like weird cables running from it or whatever. Um, it does have the control, so you can do different colors and stuff with them. Um, and I think they're awesome. I think they're great. Um, yeah. and I, I noticed them a lot. Correctly. Yeah. The, the one, the area where I feel like they're really overused, if I were to choose one would be in music videos where you just have oh, like, yeah. you just have these weird sort of like rods of light, um, that are used as almost like set pieces themselves, like in a black room or something. And like mm-hmm. the rods of light, these tubes are what is supposedly giving it like the look and the val- the production value or whatever. And I think yeah. that that's, I don't know, again, it's like one of those things where it's like, eh, it's, it comes across as lazy to me. Um, yeah. But uh, using them on, like as a practical in a scene, like if you were to, you know, mount them to the ceiling as if they're really, really fluorescent or to the wall, uh, shooting yep. in like a, a subway or something, 
not the sandwich shop, but like an actual um, subway. <laughs> Why not tunnel. the sandwich shop? You can, and, um, you can use them in the sandwich shop too if you want control over the overhead fluorescence. Come on, sure. Don't sell sure. subway short. Yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah, and I, I think they work really well for that, and I'm all about it. Um, it's it just when you have when they are like the main sort of like spectacle of the scene. I think it it's I don't like that as much. When they draw attention to their use, again, unmotivated, it shows and it's annoying. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I know I'm with you on that. I, I, again, all this stuff in moderation is fine. It's just that people go overboard when they can get their hands on something they haven't been able to afford for a while. And then they just go overkill and then it kills it for everyone else. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'd also like to point the, out, I, I was just going to say, I'd like yeah. to point out that, like, I'm not innocent at all in this oh no in the mix oh god like, no like We're trevor said hypocrite. i i went crazy with the dslr look because at the time it was like the coolest and literally people would look at the things that i shot and be like oh my god like that looks so good compared to like what they were using before which was like an xl2 right or something like a canon xl2 um so it just looked different and it looked new yep. and it had like that vibe so yeah i did it you know yeah fine no, I mean um, we are we are the biggest hypocrites. We do this stuff all the time. We, I mean, we had an Osmo, and God, man, when we were shooting some videos and shooting some some stuff, it, we over we killed that Osmo with that gimbal. We just it was oh all the swoopy, I hated that Osmo. Swoopies, I I hated the Osmo, but man, did we use it when it was working? We did. Um, the swoopies. <laughs> I can't do this podcast at home. My wife just walks out with a naked baby, getting ready for a bath. I can't do this at home. I'm just too dis- distracted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, um, but yeah, I mean, one? we, 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 uh, we, we definitely were guilty. Of a lot of these things we're trying to tone it down. Um, uh, because I mean, like we said, it gets overplayed. Um, and then the last one is, and this is, this is, I've started to notice this more and more into a different direction is the, the classic remix for the songs, uh, especially in trailers. Uh, they usually don't use it so much in the, uh, in the actual film because it takes away from the, the visuals, but yeah. you know, like you're, your rock songs, your, you know, your guns and roses and all that being done into like a moody melodic song. For, and again, it's because yeah, like we just slow, saw it. Um, monotone yeah. version of, yeah, <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was, you know, it's uh, the Batman trailer. Uh, what song was it by Nirvana? Um, I forget what song it was. Let me go to the, let me go to the list. Um, uh, something in the way by Nirvana. Um, yes. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, I think it, it, it's starting to pick up steam, uh, where this was, uh, also, um, a problem. I don't know if a problem, garbage trucks at Alex's. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah, come on in. Hey. <laughs> Got a lot of crap here. Take Trevor <laughs> out. Um, uh, they all, this also was a trend in uh, like the creepy nursery rhymes for horror movies. They did this all the time in trailers where it's like people singing nursery rhymes slowly and creepily and ear music and all that. And it was like, okay, I think Blumhouse did it all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's it true. Works, it, again, it works great the first couple of times, but then it's like, okay, we're good here. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is true. And I also think that um, you bring up a good point when that's not on our list is I think trailers follow trends like intensely, like mm-hmm. the nursery rhymes and the remix of classic music is, is one example of it. But even just like the way trailers are cut, like the format of it, you know, if you look at trailers from the fifties, they look, they're so different, right? Like they're not the same. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nowadays all trailers are cut the exact same. Like you could almost like, break it down into specific beats and sort of like see exactly how they're cut. Um, or even just like the opening piano note, right? Like having it go bing, mm-hmm. bing, like yep. when it opens or like, yep. and then yep. having like the rises and like the suck backs and all these different like weird sound effects that. And then the, like the big crescendo could build the build the build and stop. Yeah. And a couple words are said exactly. and then it gets back into action. And then also yep. you could say, um, I don't, I don't actually know if it was really as big prior to um, Inception, but those like Bram, they call them Brams now. They actually have a name. Wow. Yeah. Was that was wow. that around before Inception? 
or did I mean Inception really just as I oh man I mean they this I if they were around before Inception Inception really took it to the next level because they had they had it like literally in the movie oh yeah Oh, yeah, and they had an Inception app where you could just hit the bu- hit a button on your phone and go, <laughs> Yes. So, like, I think in other movies it was just an actual foghorn or a ship horn. Yeah. And that was that was, like, that sound was effect, it was, and they're it like, like, yeah, it was we're a, gonna put it in here a maritime reason. feature that happened <laughs> yeah, to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think A Perfect Storm yeah. really used it all. They, they did. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, speaking of trailers, we should probably say that uh, coming soon, because you guys aren't annoyed with us so much yet, in, uh, in, uh, um, in yeah. addition to this podcast and Equip Monks podcast that we're going to be putting out is a uh, trailer trashed, which is going to be a short, short. Uh, I mean, video wise, it's going to be short, but we're going to combine multiple videos into one episode of where we watch trailers for the first time ever and critique them and kind of give our two cents on how they're done. Since, yeah. like we said, trailers are such a vital part of the filmmaking process now. They um, are. You know, a good trailer could go a long way. I mean, a good trailer could get people to the uh, to a movie that otherwise would suck. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of times that's what happens with horror movies is that the trailer drags people in. And that's why you see such a deep, steep drop off from the first weekend to the second weekend, because everyone goes to see that horror then, movie based then on the you trailer. Got the word of, you got a battle word of mouth. But I love trailers, <laughs> yep. personally. I, I almost, too. in a way, love trailers more than movies. That's not really true, but like to a certain extent, it's kind of true. Um, just I just li- love- I'm lying to you, but I'm not lying. <laughs> when trailers are really good, it it does it. it I don't know. I just love them. It's, it's, but it's amazing. Like, I, when, I, like I think more times than not, me and Alex will look at each other like, "Oh my god, this trailer!" And then we watch the movie. And it's like, "That oh, was okay," yeah, it was but we're right. like, we like, like, like right. I think, like, without, without fail once a week alex or i will email each other a trailer like i think the most recent one was raised by wolves uh the ridley scott series that's coming to amazon i was like check this out oh my god and it's like yeah that trailer just kills Uh, i don't know how the series is going to be but i mean it's ridley scott so it'll probably be great but trailers kill trailers kill i mean part of it is it i remember movies that i was excited about because of the trailer you know like um uh good night mom what was it good night mommy is that what it was called? Oh, yeah. 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 That, that movie, yep. the trailer killed. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so good. Or or um, The Signal, you know, the second one. Oh, um, yeah. Which, and, and The Signal went a completely different way than the trailer did. It did, like, yeah, um, totally. Um, But, uh, I mean, I would say the first trailer that ever did it for me to, like, it was early enough that I never followed movie news or, like, you know, so I didn't know a plot of a movie before it came out. Like I do now, like, you know, for the most part, I know most plots before they come out. Um, and before the trailers even released, but independence day, I remember seeing that trailer had never, there was like a weird summer where like, I think it just clicked for me of like, I want to go see these movies in theaters because it was like, I started seeing trailers and being like, Holy shit. And I think that was like independence day men in black. Uh, those were like, I was like, saw the trailer and was like, oh my God, I don't know anything about this. But from this trailer, I remember Independence Day, I went up, I was like, you know. They blew up the White House. I forget how old I was, but I definitely wasn't 13. And, you know, PG-13. Oh God, we got to make sure we don't do it during Garbage Day again, this podcast. <laughs> they're, coming. Um, they're coming for me. Uh, uh, they're like, this I, is the podcast you thir- guys put out? Yeah. I'm coming to take Garbage. trash. <laughs> Yeah, garbage. You played a stupid game about let's find out something new at the beginning of this <laughs> trashy ass podcast. Um, no, but I remember going to my parents and be like, you know what? I know I'm not 13 because even though it didn't matter, nobody's carding you to go to see a PG 13 movie. I was like, I'm going to go see Independence Day, whether you like it or not, because that trailer was awesome. And I did, and I was not disappointed. Totally. Um, totally. So, yeah. Even then, even back then, um, when did when did Independence Day come out? It was like 90s, right? You're gonna, you're gonna send me to the to the to the World Wide Web. Yep. I I uh, keep talking. Even then, the trailers were different than they are now. You know. Yeah. It was like. Yeah. Twenty five years ago. Ninety ninety six. So I was eleven. I was eleven when it came out. Nineteen ninety six. Yeah. It is oh, interesting. Man. I like I like following trailers and seeing how they progress and differ. But I do you do see like a lot of the same trailer over and over again. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, especially when one when because again, a lot of people talk about trailers so much more now. Like blogs, like slash film and places like that will release a trailer and then and and it's also i mean again to fall into the line of we talk shit but we are we do it as well a lot of reaction twitter react uh trailer reaction videos that we're gonna do um yeah. trailers become just as big news as the movies themselves and so i think when they see like oh my god like the batman trailer everyone was like oh my god the trailer's been watched a lot there's ads before the trailers on YouTube. <laughs> There's ads before the ad that is a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they like movies. They fall in line and be like, well, we got to do a trailer like that because that one got a lot of rave reviews. So let's do our trailer like that. It's like, totally. well, you're trying to do a movie trailer for a movie that has nothing to do with or is anything like the Batman in the sense of the Batman trailer. I also feel like, I mean, the biggest sort of um, thing to point to the fact that we are correct is that there was a whole <laughs> there was a whole like trailer voice Patting guy on the bat trailer voice guy was like a oh. pop culture thing that existed yeah. like commercials made fun of it um like yeah. comedians made fun of it like just the there's whole a like, movie in a world it. yeah exactly yeah there's a movie called in the world by lake bell exactly and it's like the, the and fact that that bang. exists means that yeah, like that. Uh, that in that point in time, the inner world trailer voice guy was just like so overplayed <laughs> that it became yeah. part of pop culture, and so overplayed that those guys made so much money doing in the world, like in the yeah. world, and they, those guys made those guys were millionaires. It's crazy. Totally, totally. I mean, we should start doing voiceovers for for trailers. If you want, oh if you want God. us to do that, guys, let us know. Yeah, totally. I'm all about Our it. Sweet, sultry voices that you don't get enough of on yeah. a podcast. Soon to be three of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You suckers. Oh. So, in, on that note, we should probably end this because they don't want to hear us talk anymore. Exactly. I think you're probably right about that. So, <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast while you're there. Give us a five star rating if you feel so inclined. If you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comments section. We'll try to answer them. Also, don't forget to head on over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers. Also, if you are in the giving mood, head over to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash beer and buy us a beer. We'll even give you a shout out on the next episode. So we will talk to you guys next time. Later. Later. Later.